Guess what, Lions? For as little as $5 a month, you can get access to exclusive bonus audio content and help this program grow by joining the Lions of Liberty Pride. To learn more, head over to lionsofliberty.com slash support. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 57. I am Brian McWilliams, as always, being beautiful, sounding beautiful, looking beautiful in all things wonderful in this world. Uh, which, of course, means this episode being 57, you can find all the show notes at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL57. And included in those show notes will be certain links to films we're going to discuss today, certain links to podcasts that will be discussed today, and links to other things like uh, one, one Hillary Clinton on the Grammys, which we're going to discuss for just a little while. And who, you might ask, who is this we that I'm referring to? Well, it is the one and the only Remzo W. Martinez from the Remzo Republic podcast. Hey, oh, Remzo. How you doing? Brian, just another day here on the East Coast. Yep, paradise. Living the dream, man. I'll tell you what, though. It's probably not 80 degrees there like it is today, right? Because in L.A., it's no, hot. The, the, I'm sweating. <laughs> the, the weather hates us. It's like a bipolar chick. One one day it's snowing. The next day it's like 90 plus 100% humidity. I'm pretty sure God hates Virginia. Well, God hates a lot of things, especially me right now because my dog's barking loudly in the background. I don't, I don't know if you can hear that, but hopefully this this targeted microphone has cut her out. Little loud mouth pain in the ass. She's adorable though. So anyway, well, good to have you on, man. And uh so I wanted to have Remzo on today, as well as actually the original plan was to have Remzo and Roger Paxton on, because you two jointly host a podcast talking about Star Wars. And I recently saw The Last Jedi. So I wanted to say, okay, we'll have you guys in. We'll talk about Star Wars, we'll talk about uh, some libertarian themes in there, uh, which we'll do toward, we're going to do that in the second half of the show. But first, I want to hear a story because we had to, we unfortunately lost Roger uh, <laughs> in a series of events. First time we tried to record, we lost him to a hamstring injury, which I, I can't remember exactly what he said, how he said he, he hurt himself. But my theory was that he hurt it getting off the toilet because we all injured ourselves getting off the toilet. Hey, man, bathrooms are dangerous. They really are. More old people die in bathrooms than they do uh, in heat waves. And that's saying something. Toilets kill more people than sharks. That, you know what? I believe it. I, more people die in their sleep than are killed by sharks, I think. But meanwhile, we still hate them. But <laughs> so first we're going to have Roger and Remzo on. He had to cancel, then Remzo had to cancel. And then tonight we were supposed to record again. And Remzo ran into some trouble which I wanted to hear about live on the podcast. So I, I want to hear the story, Remzo, of why you were running from people and why you ended up in Mr. Fu's, uh, you know, Szechuan Palace. Well, it was actually China King in Leesburg, Virginia. Give them a five-star review on Yelp. They go. have uh, they have great low main. So I, uh, I, I run around the state covering different political events. I do everything from investigative journalism to photography. You know, I basically go where people don't really want me, and then I try and make money off of it. And in that sense, I'm I'm also kind of like a pseudo-activist in a sense. So I'm, I, I draw that very fine line between, like, advocacy journalist and, like, outright, you know, jerk sometimes. Mm -hmm. But um, a good friend of mine is running for U.S. Senate here in Virginia, I know we'll talk about the documentary later, but don't want to you know, divert things too much. So anyway, his opponent is uh, in the Republican primary for this upcoming election is a gentleman named Corey Stewart. Some of you might remember Corey Stewart uh, on CNN, um, probably during the summer, during the whole Confederate monument, you know, shindig and all that stuff. You see him at like this antebellum ball wearing a skirt talking about the good old days of the Confederacy. And um, long story short, Corey's just one of those guys that tries to act like mini Trump, but he fails every way. Mm -hmm. So he's been um, calling my friends, Delegate Nick Freitas. Uh, you know, his supporters have been like asking, you know, is he American and all this other stuff? They've been saying, nah, I'm Freitas' token Latino, and now I'm going to go on the other side of the wall. I should go make tacos and stuff. So I knew that there was going to be a candidate form near the place where I work part-time during the week. So I decided, you know, I'm going to get my camera, and I'm going to go, and I'm going to take some photos. I might do some on-the-spot interviews, you know, get an article published somewhere. So I run into a couple friends, and we're like, you know, 
we should just like take advantage of this moment because we haven't been in the same room as Corey for months. Now we've been trying to take trolling to a whole new level, you know, go from having it done online to reality. So they, you know, the Corey Stewart supporters have been calling the Freitas folks, the taco makers and the taco shop, the taco trucks and all this other stuff. So I hosted, and, and this is, um, this is, it goes over well. There's no outcry from anybody and there's no, uh, where are the democratic opponents? Shouldn't they be using that information to run counter campaigns? Well, and, I mean, they're, 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 trying to let, they're, they're trying to let Republicans like, you know, eat, eat themselves. Eat right. Yeah. yeah so, I hosted, I was the MC for an event uh, this weekend called Tacos and Liberty, where we basically raised a bunch of money, got a bunch of volunteers, got a bunch of ballot signatures, and we ate tacos and had a massive party, and it was a lot of fun. So come tonight, I'm at this forum. I'm with a couple of my friends who are working for the Freitas campaign, and I'm like, guys, um, give me a Sharpie, and I need you to write something on the back of my hand. So they wrote on the back of my hand, vote the number four for Nick vote mm-hmm. for Nick. And at one point someone had like an athletic bandage that they were able to cover my hand with. So that way I didn't keep it like awkwardly in my pocket. So me and this other volunteer who pretended to be my wife, we uh, went over to Corey who came in to this forum, spoke left. And as he was walking out, he was talking to some random person that got him. So me and her are waiting uh, we grab another guy with a phone and right as he turns around, he's about to walk out. I'm like, Mr. Stewart, do you mind if, uh, my wife and I take a photo with you? And he's like, okay, sure. So I quickly remove the bandage. He gets on his left side and like holds his arm, you know, kind of hugging it. He's left-handed and I got on his right side. So I quickly remove it. And the guy takes a couple photos. And at that point he's like, wait a second. I think I know you. I've met Corey Stewart on several occasions. I was one of the guys during uh, the 2017 election cycle when he was running for governor that asked him on a uh, Facebook live what triggers him. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of stares at me. So he doesn't really like me. He asked me what my name was. I said, my name is Ernesto. And he began to interrogate me. And at one point he was like, Hey, would you mind signing my petition to help me get on the ballot? Meanwhile, he's looking up, he's trying to look at my hand. I'm scratching my back and stuff. And I'm like, sure. Where is it? He's like, my guy out, Outside, a few feet away from you, he's outside the sliding doors. He's smoking. He has a petition. So I'm like, yeah, sure, I'll go sign it. He's like, well, here, I'll just call him over. I'm like, oh, no, I'll go get it. I'll bring it back so that me and my wife can sign it. Well, th- I feel bad for this chick. I don't know her name. She's, uh, you know, she's she's doing God's work. I left her there, and I quickly uh, you ran. Let, you ditched your poor pretend wife at this event. Yeah, well, you know, she's only my pretend wife. Oh, man. So. Yeah, you're so, lucky you don't live in California. I think uh, even pretending someone's your wife entitles them to half of your stuff most of the time. Yeah, God bless Virginia. So anyway, I passed this dude. I'm starting to speed walk, and he's smoking. And next, you know, Corey Stewart's like, "Hey, hey, what was on the back of your hand?" Next thing you know, three guys are like following me, like, "Hey, hey, man, who are you?" They thought it was a Democrat. So next thing you know, I cut through this alleyway near this courthouse around the corner. And I end up, um, you know, going into this random Chinese restaurant that was closing up. They're like, we, you, we can't we can't make food now. And I'm like, no, no, listen, I just need to like chill here for a minute. Mm-hmm. That place was connected to the parking garage <laughs> where my car was. Yeah, nice. Good planning <laughs> so, ahead of time. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, it's like I went in a giant loop. And luckily, this place was connected to the parking garage. So I just had to go outside. But they were like waiting because they thought I walked into the subway. Oh, OK. Uh, you know, so they, I, they I, didn't, want to I can't these guys react so strongly to this stuff. Though. It's like, what's written on your hand? Get him. It's like, come on, man. Like, who gives a shit? What's the they, worst they were, thing that can be written they, on your hand? Such of like, you know, CPAC guys, too. So, you yeah. know, they try and act all, you know, tough in numbers, but they're wearing their bow ties. Like, come back here. And I'm just like, gosh, I'm <laughs> like down. being chased by the last Doctor Who. Basically. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, uh, you know, interesting enough reason, I guess, to be uh, to be late. So the reason Roger's not on is because we, we ran too late for him. So uh, Remzo's still coming on so we can get this podcast recorded today. And unfortunately, we'll have to get Roger on another time. But so you mentioned... Uh, so let's talk about this at the top of the show. So you mentioned this documentary and that you're working with. Uh, so I want to call it out. It's called American Statesman, the Nick Freitas story. I'm, am I saying that name right? It's pronounced Freitas, like Frito, like Freitas. Like yeah. Freight Train. Like Freight Train. And then us. Freitas. Freitas. So the American Freitas. statesman, the Nick Freitas. Freitas. I said it wrong. <laughs> he said it again. Freitas story. And of course, I'm known for saying names wrong, by the way. So it's kind of my thing. You know, everybody's got their thing. 
which and you can find this. It's on YouTube right now, and I will link to it in the show notes again. Lionsofliberty.com forward slash E L L five seven. So Remzo, tell us a little bit about this and then we'll jump to some current event stuff. So Nick Freitas, the man who I was chased by uh, several Corey Stewart supporters for, you know, trolling their guy. Um, he's a member of the Virginia House of Delegates currently running for U.S. Senate. I met Nick uh, back in the 2016 election cycle. I was at this rally outside of the, the one and only vice presidential debate at, um, I think it was Longwood University in Virginia. And I had never heard of him, but he came up to speak. And the first thing he said was, do you all know why I'm a Republican. I'm a Republican because I'm not comfortable with violence. And I was like, what? What did he just say? He's like, yeah, I go to other Republicans. And I go to other and I go to Democrats who endorse policies that are inherently violent because the state is a mechanism of force and coercion. And nice. I'm listening. So I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> like, what is what did he just say? This guy's a Republican. So at that point, I'm just like, this guy is like, there's there's a trap. Like, there's a trap. And I look into his record and I see that he's, um, you know, he was a former um, two-tour Iraq war veteran, Green Beret, uh, came back, became a federal contractor. And I met a couple of his um, staffers for his office in the House of Delegates. One of them is uh, Christian Hines, his legislative director. And I talked to him as I'm getting ready because I want to invite him on. But I was like, I don't, I don't need just some random Republican who says a few good things on. I'm like, you know, I could use the publicity. I could definitely it would definitely be cool to talk to him. But I want to make sure that, you know, he's not leading me along. So uh, a couple of years back, uh, his legislative director, Christian and him were just friends. They were just hanging out and, you know, they needed to go ahead and get somebody in their district to actually primary this really, really progressive neocon Republican. And Christian looked at Nick and said, hey, I think you should run for House of Delegates. And Nick said, no, because <laughs> politics is evil. So Christian, he's a good guy. He went ahead and started a grassroots draft movement to get him to run for House of Delegates. And when like hundreds of people were like bugging him, they're like, Nick, you need to run. Nick, you need to run. We need you. He was like, fine. So went ahead, primary this Republican, shellacked him. I mean, I think the guy just said, I'm not going to run again because I can't handle this. And he ended up going to the House of Delegates. And since then, he's put forth um, laws to, you know, um, push for uh, industrial hemp. Here in the Commonwealth, civil asset forfeiture reform, everything from, you know, let's go ahead and abolish all these gun restrictions. I mean, you want like mini Rand Paul at the state level. Like, I'm not kidding at all. Nick Freitas is by far the most libertarian Republican in the country. In fact, my old boss, Matt Kibbe, did a video on him for CRTV titled The Most Liberty Republican You've Never Heard Of. No, oh, yeah. So, because I hadn't heard yes. of him until I was just watching your, your documentary a little bit and I will uh, give it a full watching probably tomorrow when I'm uh, killing time at the end of the day at work. But yeah, this guy sounds amazing. Is is his his ambitions to go higher than this? I mean, have you talked to him about that at all? Well, in in the summer of 2017, there were a bunch of people that wanted him to run for U.S. Senate. And at that point, Corey Stewart was running for governor. Uh, two days after he lost to Ed Gillespie for the Republican nomination for governor of Virginia, like a few days later, Corey announced he was running for Senate. And everyone was like, well, I guess it just, you know, it's Corey's nomination. Now I go up against Tim Kaine, Hillary's former VP in 2016. So a bunch of people were like, you know, let's get Nick to run for Senate. So I think it was like June, July, this group starts on Facebook. So I go ahead and I text him and I'm like, hey, Nick, what do you think about this? And he's like, they're just messing around then it's like august september and i'm like hey nick they're starting to get a lot of press now and he's like i don't think i really want to do this there are a lot of other people who i think are forming a committee who will run who if they run i'll support them and then it got to the point where the press is starting to pick it up and i'm like nick i know you might be thinking you want to run please don't run like on more than one occasion, in person, over the phone, everything, I was like, don't do it. I want you to stay in Virginia. The last campaign I worked on was for Congressman Tom Garrett, uh, back when he was state senator Tom Garrett. And he went to um, Congress, and he's done phenomenal things, but now he's no longer in Virginia. So I'm like, wow, crap, now we have all these guys running around. All the Liberty guys are leaving. Yeah. Nick, I want you to stay. So literally, I'm at his house the night before um, – his reelection for a uh, house of delegates. And I'm still looking at him. I'm like, please don't do this. And at that point he still didn't know whether he was going to do it. And he was like, you know what? 
at this point, it's just Corey Stewart, and it's going to be versus him versus Tim Kaine, and they're not going to talk about limited government. They're not going to talk about fiscal responsibility. They're not going to talk about letting people live their lives the way they want to as long as they don't hurt people and take their stuff. I'm really considering it. And about a month later, I'm in this giant Republican convention type of thing uh, in the southern end of Virginia in a suite with like 20 like actually it was more like 50 60 people crammed in this room and he announced he was running for u.s senate at that point i was like you know if he wants to go all the way i'll i'll go all the way with him at this point and i'll do what i can for my end and that's that's kind of like how i ended up getting chased into a chinese <laughs> restaurant beautiful well shit i'll be i'll be following this guy's career for sure <laughs> and uh i'll be following this guy's career and i will be putting an order in for uh, china king as soon as possible whenever i'm in virginia I will make an order to China King to thank them for taking you in while you're running away. But no, that's awesome, man. I'll definitely. So again, guys, check that out. American Statesman, the Nick Freitas story. And uh, yeah, we will follow his career with much excitement. Booyah. Booyah shaka. So speaking <laughs> of careers, we'll be following uh, with, with less excitement, though. Hillary Clinton. I want to talk a little bit about Hillary Clinton before we get into the Star Wars stuff, as well as this goddamn Burger King net neutrality commercial that came out or uh, or tie in i should say with um god what is it called i can't remember what that what what organization they teamed with with this stupid ad uh, basically touting net neutrality but we'll talk about hillary clinton first so i can look up exactly who it was so hillary clinton just last night was on the grammys and i don't know do you ever watch the grammys is it something you partake in uh no i'd rather like you know take a bath full of like hydrogen peroxide and watch that at this point the goggles do nothing it's just not worth it at this point like well how how am i going to benefit from watching these people because it used to be really entertaining growing up like i used to watch that in the oscars and everything else and then um i think it was probably like around 2012 like around the time that mitt romney was running you know 2008 they all loved obama but you know, at that point, you know, let's keep it entertainment around like the 2012 election onward. They just started getting so political and so annoying and so in your face. It stopped being funny because, you know, I have a self-deprecating sense of humor. I can go ahead and laugh at myself and stuff like that, but got to the point where it's just outright mean. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm surprised they didn't like sacrifice a Trump supporter on, on you know, on live TV. No, exactly, man. It's and and it's gotten to the point where like last night's Grammys event. So I didn't watch it either and I would never, <laughs> but they're, they're so brazen and it's, it's gone beyond just simple people like accepting awards and saying they're, they're a little anti-Trump rhetoric bullshit or, or they're pro Democrat speaking points. It's gone beyond that now to the point where they're working everything into the actual presentation itself. And that's where it, to me, I, it crosses the line. That's it, it pushes too far. And last night they had this segment where people were reading Different musicians, and of course, James Corbin's hosting, and he's a big lefty. So James Corbin's hosting, and he brings on people to do dry reads to do the narration of uh, Fire and Fury, the new uh, much derided book about Trump, which no one can seem to confirm if any of it's even remotely true. So they bring on a bunch of people. Uh, I think Usher was, was one of them. There were a couple of, like, Cardi B was one of them reading it. And they're all musicians, so it's in the context of the Grammys, at least. And then, of course, you get the last person and she's got, you know, it starts off with the with the book up in front of her face. But you can clearly tell who it is because she's wearing the same goddamn ugly suits she always wears. Down comes the book and it's Hillary Clinton's smug face. So she reads, you know, a 10 second excerpt about Donald Trump preferring to eat McDonald's because he's afraid of being poisoned. And James Corbin goes, oh, stop. You've got it. You've, you've nailed it. You're the one. You're the narrator. So that was the segment in front of the Grammys. So, like, why do they like <laughs> seriously? Why do they keep trying to make Hillary Clinton a thing? Well, they couldn't make her a thing in 2008. They couldn't make her a thing in 2016 when she when everyone was saying it was hers. And now, like, what do they want from her? I, no one liked know. her when she was running. No one likes her now. No, exactly. But they can't. St- it's like, you know, what it is. It's like Hillary Clinton to the progressives. It's like a scab that they keep like they they just can't let it heal. Every time it starts to heal, they got to scratch the shit out of it to bring it back again and just make it like it's a, a festering wound. Hillary Clinton is a festering wound on our establishment and on society as of this point. And the Democrats cannot let that wound ever heal. Because by bringing her back just like you're saying, it serves no purpose other than to 
say we're still mad about what happened and to say, hey, all of you people that are conservatives out there, go, you know, F off, go walk in the woods and shoot yourselves, which I got to think most of their viewers are going to be falling into a category of Midwesterners. That's just my opinion. There's going to be industry people, of course, but I don't know anybody that actually watches the Grammys in my circle anyway. Like, like how many it, people do you know that even tune into these shows? And I'm, I'm surprised because you're basically in the People's Republic of, you know, progressivism, Brian. But I it's am. just but I mean, well, the Grammys, I think, overall are also a, one of the lower tiers. And, and the ratings dropped 20 percent from last year, by the way. I don't know if that has anything directly to do with Hillary Clinton, but the ratings are, are down on all these shows. I think it does play into it personally. And I mean, it's not just the Grammys. And, you know, I don't want to get into the whole NFL thing, but the NFL is like I, I don't even know if I'm going to watch the Super Bowl. I haven't watched anything from the season this, you know, this go around. Um, well, as a proud you know, Philadelphia Eagles fan, I will be watching. Go oh, Eagles! gosh. Are they are they going to the Super Bowl? Hell yeah, they are. Oh, wow. I'm definitely not going to watch it now. <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> no, I mean, the Eagles fan. Yeah. <sighs> Shut up. Hey, the so, Cleveland Indians just got rid of a Chief Wahoo, man. Your, t- your team's logo is days are numbered. Hey, I'm surprised it didn't go away and we didn't become something else. I'm, I'm going to shut my mouth before I say something real. That could be really <laughs> incendiary. But, yeah, NFL ratings are down. Like, I'm a big, like, movie theater fan. Like, I actually like to go to the movie theaters to go watch stuff. And overall, you know, while Netflix consumption's at, like, an all-time high every day, in terms of, like, movie theater going, it was already on a downhill spiral thanks to, uh, you know, downloadable stuff and instant streaming oh, yeah. stuff on but like with the whole Harvey Weinstein pedophile gate thing, you know, mo- movie consumptions at an all time low. Like when it comes to Hollywood, it's like they made their bed. They took a shit in it and then they expect us to lay in it with them. And it's just like, like, no, we're done with you. I think people that are even politically apathetic are tired of this and they don't want to have anything to do with it. They want to go out about and live their lives. And, you know, there's plenty of good sports on tv i'm a baseball fan uh there's plenty of good tv shows on that have nothing to do with these people well, like and so. yeah I, I used to give him a chance like i like leonardo dicaprio as an actor i, oh, I, I, like, I can't, in yeah, yeah, he can't stand his politics he, he won't shut the fuck up about it yeah but i swear to god if he talks about trump and the environment again like i don't care if the remnant two comes out and this time he gets mauled and raped by two bears i'm still not gonna <laughs> go see it you know, I'm sure online somewhere you can find that video happening. You know, someone's like, you know what? This is pretty hot, but what if I'm afraid to Google two bears and Leo <laughs> two bears, one DiCaprio. Ah, uh, yeah. Someone's definitely no copyrighted. Just now. Um, no, it, and, and it's also it's one of the things where we're seeing it bleed even farther into entertainment as well, where you're seeing these shows come out like they're rebooting. Um, I, I, God, what are they rebooting? I just saw another TV show. They're rebooting it. Oh, it's Party of Five. Except they're rebooting Party of Five as, okay, now it's a scenario where they're all illegal immigrants or something like that. Like, they're all dreamers. And it's just one of the things you go, you know, I mean, you can, I don't mind you trying to reflect something that's going on in society. But to make it so blatant and just so, like, you can already tell what it's going to be. You can already tell the plot lines. Like, I just, when I turn on entertainment, I just want to be entertained without being preach to and everything now seems to be preaching something to me rather than just going for you know what let's just write for the right in the middle we don't need to make a political point with all of this we don't need to get our personal biases involved with the writing and it's just kind of the point where I, I i vet my tv so carefully now and i refuse to watch much new tv because as a result of it because i'm just so sick of the whole thing I mean, hey, same same deal with like me and marvel comics i haven't purchased a marvel comic book in over a year and a half now because it got to the point where it's like, you know, forget the story, forget character development, forget, you know, escapist fiction. Let's go ahead and, you know, just make as many open, like, pimp hand slap remarks towards a segment of the population that might read our stuff and just insult them constantly. Yeah. And it's gotten to the point where, you know, it's one thing to make fun of people. I, I went to Liberty University. I make fun of Liberty University all, students all the time. It doesn't come from a place of hate, but I can make fun of them. I can make fun of anybody. But it's gotten to the point where it's just not even worth it. You know, Jerry Seinfeld won't even go near a college town and do yeah. stand up because he's afraid of how people are. Yep. It's yeah, gotten yeah. to the point where it's like, you know, we'll go ahead and go elsewhere. And DC Comics, and you know, I, I promise not to go on the 
comic tangent, but you know, DC Comics, they saw what Marvel was doing and they're like, let's just do the exact opposite. Yeah, we're going to make new characters. DC made a ton of new characters, a couple lesbian characters, but you know what the good thing is? They're all good characters in their own right. They focused on the character development, they focused on the story, and that, you know, their sales have beaten Marvel just you know, left and right for almost a year now. That's it. Yeah, I had no idea that was going on. I have to check out uh, some DC because I never read DC growing up. Like never. I was always D- DC was like the the comics that you read when you were like five or six because I was okay. The Justice League beat the bad guys again. Nothing right. happened. Nothing killed Superman. Now DC is like freaking awesome i mean i know the movies haven't really been able to really draw people <laughs> in but the comics themselves you know it's almost like a reverse cycle because i i love the marvel movies like yeah, I, and they not, really embraced yeah. a lot of libertarian values in a lot of those films like shockingly i thought was it we, you and i that were talking about this before Oh, uh, we you, you and you and I off. You know, I don't think we did an episode about this, but you and I talked about Captain America: Winter Soldier quite a bit. Yeah, the Winter Soldier and also uh, Civil, Civil War. War. Yeah, I mean, both of yeah. those they really have adopted quite a bit of libertarian. Like, hey, the government it gets too big, and having this way too much power and oversight is a bad thing. You need to protect people's civil liberties. Like, uh, just over and over again, hitting you with it. Yeah, and I mean, the the films are fantastic, so the comics suck. And then, you know, and I'm not going to pretend that I don't like the DC films. I went to go see Justice League two times in theaters because I'm a whore. But (laughs) it was, you know, I mean, they're just doing really freaking well. And, you know, even though Ben Affleck may have, like, done some weird crap and stuff, like, I still went to go see it. You know, I always knew that he was a liberal. Like, all these people, like, he was a liberal when Bush was president. A lot of these people were. But it's like this Trump derangement syndrome that the right wing constantly throws out. Like, there's some there's a lot of validity to it. Like, I almost feel like challenging them all to the Tide Pod challenge. And before I eat mine, (laughs) they've just eaten theirs. And I just walk away like it's just getting ridiculous. Yeah, it's gotten so wrapped up in no matter what he does, finding a way to make it into a bad thing. And I recently posted in our forum, which everybody can go to. Just go to Lions of Liberty on Facebook. And if you're not too crazy looking, we'll add you to the forum. But uh, I posted this picture, which I found on Twitter, uh, someone else. And I wish I could remember to give him credit. But it was basically two stories. One was from The New York Times citing that there was growth of 3.1 percent or something along those lines of uh, GDP, which again, we're not necessarily crediting the president with, with causing this on his own, but I believe his economic policies and the corporate taxes have something to do with, with uh, the, the economic rebound we're seeing. But then of course the right, the story right underneath it, it came up with like two iPhone notices. First story, New York times, Trump's GDP levels, you know, up 3.1% strong growth. The next story, Washington post, Trump misses the mark 2.6 signaling a severe decline. It's like, Okay, so which one is correct? And and they were they were slightly different reporting, slightly different facts. But it shows you like the Washington Post has Trump derangement syndrome as a news organization, and that bleeds into everything else. And you see it in celebrities, you see it in people you talk to, like watching Nancy Pelosi and watching uh you know Wasserman Schultz go out in public and say, well, you know what, a thousand dollars that these corporations are giving back to their employees. Oh, that's like nothing. That's barely going to help a a lower middle class family. And I'm like, bitch, I'm probably upper middle class, I guess. And that would still help me. I mean, it's, it's a I'm thousand broke as hell. dollars. <laughs> like a thousand grand. Like, I don't know. Like, I know, like Nancy Pelosi, like her family was rich and her husband owns a winery. So a thousand dollars is what they spend on dinner, probably a thousand dollars for me. Someone that's been out of college for a year living in one of the most expensive parts of the East Coast. I'm sorry. That's a lot of McDonald's dollar menu right now, because when you're broke, a thousand dollars is a lot of freaking money. Dude, No shit. Like when I was when I was just out of college, I moved to L.A. And uh, before I got my career going, anything like that, I was working as a cook because I was a cook for a lot of years in country clubs and at Hooters, very proudly. For a year. Yeah, boy. After I got suspended from college for rioting for a semester. Uh, so anyway, I'm out here and I'm, I'm literally eating like strawberries and peanut butter and I'm cooking at like a tea house, like this little Japanese Zen tea house here in L.A. That thousand dollars would have been like the world to me. I would have been like, oh, thank God I could take a deep breath now. You know, because like in a lot of parts of the country where these people are probably like the Walmart employees – you know, those people are probably making a mean income of what, 30 grand, $32,000. That's a lot of money to them. 
I'm just surprised that there are like no Democrats like Infowars has gotten a hold of because they're always throwing out those little videos of, oh, look at this black person talk bad about the Democrats and something like that. Like I'm surprised like young Democrats, like poor Democrats, like just regular everyday Joe and Janet Democrat voters are not like how elitist, how callous. Right. To to snub your nose because you because a thousand dollars means nothing to you. So it must mean nothing to anybody. Just yeah, besides, look look at all these businesses saying, hey, we're going to go ahead and give our guys a raise. Let's go ahead and give them a bonus. And then you have like the Occupy Democrats rebuttal. And it's like, well, look at all the places that were getting laid off. Those places were already going to do that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Like that was already set in stone. But this, you know, these bonuses people are getting, that was spur of the moment. Right. Tim and Cook they, even and, went and ahead. Companies even said say so. this is specifically in response to Trump cutting the corporate tax rate. I mean, Jesus, when you cut the corporate tax rate by fifteen percent, that's to a company that's pulling in a you know several hundred million dollars in revenue. That is a incredible amount of money. Like Apple, you look at Apple, but they're doing they're repatriating because he also cut the corporate repatriation tax on like overseas money. He cut that down severely, so they're bringing back billions upon billions, like one hundred eighty billion dollars. 38 billions going to the, to the government. So whatever, that still sucks, but you know, better than all of it. And they're putting $30 billion into infrastructure and new, new upgrades. They're going to hire some 20,000 in the workforce they're projecting. And they, Hey, I hope they buy Ford. Then they can get their line of cars going and I'll make money on my Ford stock. You know, like it's all good things. When you cut the fucking corporate taxes down, it gives so much more opportunity for companies to pay more, to do more and to build up like people bitch about. There's not enough work in this country. Lowering the corporate tax is proving that that is leading directly to prosperity and more job creation. I I love it. How Nancy Pelosi was like, you know, cutting the corporate tax rate is just giving a tax cut to the billionaires and millionaires. And it's like, do you, do you not know what that is? And I, I remember when Ron Paul was running in 2012, back in my you know neocon Keynesian days, when he said that the corporate tax is a double tax on regular people. I about had an aneurysm because I was like, what do you mean? Because that's additional tax that goes on your product, your services, your goods that you're going to go out and buy. So you're going to have to pay the taxes on that already. Then you're going to have to you know factor in the corporate tax on that. When you cut the corporate tax, you're cutting the t- you're cutting the cost of everything that you're buying related to that corporation like it is a double tax on people so when i say um you know to the to the leftists in this dc area i'm in and they're like you just want the millionaires to get richer i'm like no i want to get richer because i don't have to pay as much for crap at walmart bud god damn right man well, you know what? Here's a segue into the next topic I want to talk about. Real, we can just talk about this real quick because then uh, we got to get to the Star Wars. But Burger King put out this net neutrality commercial, and it was I've been trying to find the goddamn people they did it with. It was like one of those one of those very liberal like think tank, not choice.org, but something like that. But anyway, they team up to make this stupid net neutrality commercial where people come in. And it's like, oh, well, this is what net neutrality would be. And we're going to withhold the Whopper. It was one of the dumbest things I've ever seen. And I'm not going to go into the, I'm not going to break it down too much. because People can watch it on their own. But the principle was you come in, they say, oh, well, we don't have, you know, we can't give you a Whopper because we're slowing down the speed on the Whopper. And because they can sell extra French fries. And it just, it was so fucking dumb. And people's reactions to it were like, oh my God, I can't believe it. And naturally, all these progressive media outlets are jerking themselves off over it, thinking that it's the greatest thing ever. Meanwhile, I'm left confused because from a branding perspective, Burger King does not make anything to do with the Internet. Burger King does not do anything to have anything to do with politics. And yet it's sticking. It's, it chooses this topic to shove its nose in and piss people off because there were people on the comments page of the Burger King Facebook page where they posted this originally just tearing into them and people that were very, I was impressed people that were clearly libertarians for the most part, but also Republicans ripping them a new asshole, tearing this commercial apart because the basic premise doesn't even make sense. Cause you know, in a free market, you just go to McDonald's. Who's going to offer you, Hey, a burger right away. So I, you know, when we're talking about companies and corporations that are pushing back and have like Trump derangement syndrome on their own, despite this corporate tax cut, which you think burger can be happy about, it just boggles my mind because the risk reward in this circumstance, there, I mean, there's no payoff. There's no benefit to it. 
There was some polling agency that was a consultant for that commercial, and what they basically said was that this will appeal to millennials who, by and large, are not going out to eat as much because they'd rather have their like you know their their extra expensive foo foo food like you know friggin' Chipotle and right. stuff like that. And, and they don't so, want to eat Burger King because they they view it yeah. as garbage food. Yeah, so you, you have them trying to bring in the millennials for this because their biggest thing is you need to give millennials a mission. You need to have them part of the story. It's like Tom's Tom's shoes. Right, like yeah. I hate Tom's shoes. Not not you know for a lot of reasons, but they're, you know people buy that crap not because they like those shitty shoes and stuff, but oh, because they're, they're part of the story because yeah. they're helping a woman who's going to get another pair of this. And you could talk about the economic destruction of Africa of Tom's shoes. I think they're you know hell on earth, purely satanic, <laughs> but. Um, I mean, it was just I, I'm watching that and I, I felt like my brain cells are dying instantly. And I, I did listen. I re-listened to the episode you did about net neutrality. You did. You went in farther length than most people. Yeah. So, folks, definitely go ahead and check out the Electric Liberty Land episode of net neutrality. Oh, but um, <laughs> but but anyway, and you give a lot of great examples. I don't disagree with anything, but I could sum it down to this and save a lot of time. What was life like before 2014? Right. Barack Obama Institute that we didn't have this argument. And if you really want to paint a villain, the biggest villain is Netflix because Netflix takes up like almost a third of the freaking world's bandwidth right now. And Netflix, you know, all the internet providers were like, Hey, Netflix, we need you to pay more. So rather, rather than just pay for the extra space that Netflix is going to have to take, what did they do? They turned into crony capitalists and they said, we're going to go ahead and get involved with um, the FCC and the Obama administration, and we're going to make sure that everyone is just as screwed as us because we're greedy. That's cronyism. You know, this whole thing could be turned from, you know, internet freedom and everything else just to outright cronyism because things were good before that. And everyone's just like, oh, Terminator 2 Judgment Day, like 6 million people are going to die because of this. It's completely ridiculous. And then 20 million people are going to die from the GOP tax cuts. It's like, what was life like before this happened? Because there was this grand assumption that net neutrality was always there. And Uh, that's the thing that's people are so ignorant on the topic. Anyway, it's selective memory. But but you're right. People who don't know what they're talking about or claiming to be experts in it. You know, I make fun of Gary Johnson all the time, but I hated all these people that were jumping out like, how does he not know where freaking Aleppo was? And it's like, dumbass, I didn't know where Aleppo was. Me neither. I didn't know either. And And I said that on the show after that, but I was like, look, admittedly, I don't know. And I, and I, but I'm not running for president, but and that's the thing, you know, all these people think they know what they're talking about. Burger King's a perfect example. Oh, change.org. That's what it is. God damn it. Change.org and Burger King teamed up for this. But again, the points they're making are so off base, so out of the base, out of the realm of reality. And so based upon the most idiotic of progressive views on net neutrality. And like you're saying, it existed. And if anything, you know what? The one benefit of if, if people even in this this uh nightmare scenario they're painting where oh my god they're gonna do this and they're gonna charge you that you know what'll happen the free market will find a solution and that solution might come in in wi-fi or come from a, any other option but if people are incredibly unhappy about a system in place somebody will always invent something else that's going to say here's a better way and they're going to make a shitload of money off of it once they do it so there's gonna be a lot of drive to do it yeah and what's you and what's beautiful is the fact that you know just in the past week I've had opportunities to deal with this. I started getting into cryptocurrency. I actually tipped yeah, my yeah. waiter. Yeah, I actually tipped my waiter at a restaurant in Bitcoin recently. Well, it was by super the way, funny. perfect time for me to yeah. mention this. We now have a brand new donate link which you can go and donate to our show in crypto. Unfortunately, though, I know you and Roger both have on your shows through uh, through Coinbase their their merchant uh, donation stuff. They don't allow you to do it anymore. They shut it down probably because they're like the big surge in Bitcoin registration. So right now we just have individual links where people can donate in like six different currencies. But you can go to com slash donate. Yeah, I kind of cheated the system. I went ahead and went with a bunch of different wallets and I have the different stuff. I actually oh, really that's like what I've got now, too, because yeah, like it's just it's just easier. But, you know, not, not not to get too sidetracked. Like it is beautiful. So anyway, yeah, I tipped my waiter in Bitcoin a couple of weeks ago, but. <laughs> Um, as soon as I saw that commercial, like I had a choice and I like Burger King burgers compared to all the other fast food burgers, but I actually was about to go to Burger King to get some coffee. And so I went to McDonald's 
And I, you know, I went to McDonald's a couple times since then. And I was just like, you know, I've just been really ignoring Burger King. Oh, yeah, it's because they pissed me off. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, YouTube, I'm sorry, Twitter tried censoring me. So I was like, damn it, Twitter. Why? We were supposed to be friends. So I opened up an account on Gab. And then Facebook started censoring me. So I was like, damn it, Zuckerberg. So I opened up a Minds.com account. So there are always outlets out there. People will find a way because freedom doesn't like restriction. That's the beautiful thing about it. Damn well right, man. So there you go, guys. Remzo just gave you alternatives to Twitter and Facebook that you can use. And I was just talking to somebody about this, saying that uh, because they were, Facebook was basically and, and Twitter were essentially showing that they were banning people's content and uh, and that the progressives were basically running the asylum over there. So, well, look at Fort Fisher. Fort Fisher is a great example from news to share because yeah. Fort Fisher literally posted um, a link to uh, Steam it, which I, I think is beautiful. Definitely learn about Steam it, folks. You make money in a blog. For, mm. I mean, it's free. But he was like, listen, Facebook is making it harder to run business because Ford is an independent entrepreneur. And he you know, makes a good chunk of his money off social media, a social media presence. So he screenshotted the report from Facebook saying that something he shared on his own page was spam and he's calling out facebook he's like folks i'm only doing this because facebook is making life hard to make some dineros so it's oh and later he he actually like appealed that whole thing and they told him yeah we got it wrong great yeah after after he's already been screwed over that's the thing that's you gotta love they're like oh we're gonna demonetize your content like youtube and then like oh whoops our bad you're like well that doesn't put the money back in my pocket does it yeah, I mean, the, the opportunity cost is you might as well just go somewhere else because these these bastards, they don't care. Like you saw what Project Veritas was doing, you know, Twitter's staring at all your naked pics and stuff. And we yep. complain about the NSA. And then I hate the whole, oh, well, they're a private corporation. It's like, shouldn't you have known that? I mean, the terms of agreement should probably say it somewhere. You're telling me there's not someone's lawyer out there saying I'm looking for the dick pic clause. And it's like, no, these people outlandishly hate you. And everyone's freaking out because they think this is 1984. No, this is Brave New World. The problem isn't a deficit or inability to access information and knowledge and other platforms. The problem is we have so much of it that we've just stopped caring. I think that's a very good point, man. It's like it's everybody's just basically bathing in the waterfall of information at all times. And it's very difficult to figure out and, and actually pinpoint where you should go, uh, where you should spend your time and what you should care about. And people have clearly gotten the wrong, you know, and, and Facebook doesn't help because they, the out the, the algorithms are organized as well with Google, as well with many things are feeding you the information that you least need to see, uh, arguably. Yeah. It, all right. Let's take a, a quick break though. Because we got it, we're already we're already like forty minutes in here. We got to talk some Star Wars, so let's take a break, and I'll be right back with more Remzo W. Martinez from the Remzo Republic. Hey guys, you might remember that I recently said that this is the libertarian moment, and that we need more people to stand up and run for office. Now, if you're tired of watching liberty erode and you plan to stand up and run for office, I want you to call on a team that has over twenty years' experience: Global Alliance Communications. They specialize in data analytics, identifying and mobilizing voters. They offer live voter outreach, data acquisition, compliance, recorded messages, text messaging with full social media touchpoints, and teletown halls. Campaigns of all types and sizes are encouraged to reach out, and you can find out more by visiting their website at www.gacigroup.com or email info at gacigroup.com. All right, we are back with more Remzo W. Martinez from the Remzo... Remzo? <laughs> don't even drink rum, I don't think. The Remzo Republic. I haven't even been drinking tonight. I'm still slurring. All right, well... Sad. <laughs> hashtag sad, exclamation point. All sad. Right, so now that we're back, let's talk about... Uh, let's talk some Star Wars, since I've been uh, touting this conversation about Star Wars. So I finally saw The Last Jedi. And it took me a few weeks, and I think anybody listening now, if you cared enough, you would have seen it. So we can just talk about it openly. Uh, so let's spend the next 20 minutes kind of talk about this. Overall, what did you think about it? And then give me as a secondary, uh, after we talk about a little bit about the general thoughts, then I want to hear your thoughts about libertarian themes in the film. So first off, what's your what's your general take? Like it? I, hate I, it? <laughs> I liked it. I mean... 
and I know I'm probably going to lose some fans for it. I know my family got super ticked at me because we went to go see it on premiere day. And, you know, my brother's like, that film was crap. And I'm like, I thought it was pretty good. Like from a sheer entertainment value, like as I was watching it, I wasn't thinking about anything other than the film. So I liked it. As I you know, think about now, I've got some problems. I was a giant fan of The Force Awakens, and there were so many possible ways that – they could have, uh, you know, tied some loose ends together, like who were the Knights of Ren and mm-hmm. what's up with Supreme Leader Snoke. But uh, The Last Jedi was basically like, no, screw all that. We're just going to say it doesn't matter and move on. Yeah. So from that perspective, I was ticked off. Um, I did not like the interpretation of Luke Skywalker that Mark Hamill played this time. Yeah, Mark, Mark Hamill, Hamill didn't, didn't like it. Yeah, Mark Hamill hated like that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I mean, like, I think want, it looks yeah. so looks so up and, you know, it's like always positive, never say die. And then he's just like this little hermit bitch, little sourpuss hermit bitch boy. And meanwhile, by the way, this this movie to me was, you know, just as The Force Awakens was basically a remake of uh, A New Hope. This was in many ways a a remake of The Empire Strikes Back. I I would agree to a certain extent, when you look at like the major plot lines, like, you know, what do you have at the beginning? Giant battle. Mm-hmm. Then what do you have? They're basically trapped and trying to figure out what to do. And then towards the end of the film, everyone's just like, oh, we're screwed. The Empire is winning and all this stuff. And, you know, with um, with the First Order, I mean, it, it did kind of play through that loop. But at the same time, I do think that the film, because it took a pause, it was doing two things from a franchise perspective. It's allowing it to take a break because, you know, they had to push out another film. They might as well do something that seems like they're instead of moving forward, they're moving a step to the side. So I think with the next film we'll see in this trilogy, it'll be um, it'll I think I think people will be happy, mainly because I think Abrams is coming back for that. So Rian Johnson's not coming back. But um, I mean, it was I think people have too high of standards for stuff like this. I, I just think they do. And, well, you know, anything, whenever you're last, dealing the with the last three movies yeah. that came out should have done a, gone a long way or, the, or I'd say the previous before these most latest uh, these latest films, the, the, one, the, the, the last Lucas films, the three that came out, they, they did a good job of lowering our expectations pretty thoroughly. I think so. You think I mean, attack, really nice of the, attack of the Clones is like a giant suppository. You don't want it, but, you know, you got to take <laughs> your medicine somehow. And uh, I mean, this was to an extent, I, I think, kind of like that. Um you know, it's just if you watch The Force Awakens and you were like, oh, who were raised parents? What's up with Kylo Ren and all this other stuff? And, you know, the things that you actually cared about at the end of the film, you didn't get no. in The Last Jedi. So to an extent, I was incredibly disappointed. Um, I mean, it's just gotten to the point where if you just go into it with no standards, you'll never be disappointed. And I've gotten to the point where that is kind of like how it was because, you know, I, I walked into a uh, rogue one with absolutely no standards. And it's a fantastic movie. That and I've the best movie they've, they've made in the last five yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like I, I, I've watched it more times than any of the last decades worth of star Wars films. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's why I'm so excited for solo because it doesn't have to do anything more than just be a good singular story. Because when you're trying to build a franchise, there are only certain films where when they try and make an interconnected thing, they're able to pull it off. Marvel, you know, owns the recipe, but you know, when, when you're in constant franchise sequel mode and you're going to rush stuff out, you're going to get things like, um, like the last Jedi. It's like, you know, Casino Royale, Casino Royale was all right. And then Quantum of Solace was absolute shit. But, you know, eventually we got, um, uh, Skyfall, which is Skyfall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And Spectre was shit. I hated Spectre, but Skyfall was, I think, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, Latino actor, Javier Bardem. Bardem. Uh, Yeah. Like he's, he, he, I think that was by far my favorite James Bond film. Hmm. All right, but let's stay on target. Stay on target. All right. But yeah, for for every last Jedi, Jedi, (laughs) for every last Jedi, you're going to get a Rogue One. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we get a Rogue One for every last Jedi. And look, I going into it, I also had very low expectations. I had a couple of friends tell me they hated it. I had a couple of friends tell me they liked it. I went into saying, all right, let's just see what happens. And for the most part, I liked it. I didn't think it was great, but it, it salvaged itself towards the end for me. I thought it was a little slow building at the beginning. Um, like I said, I was rolling my eyes at the, the Empire Strikes Back themes. You know, it's basically the same. Instead of going to Dagobah, she's on this fucking island planet where Luke's spearing little fish and then uh, Chewbacca becomes a goddamn vegan, which is really pissing me off. 
And then you have the whole scene where uh, this also kind of bugged me too, where they've got the fleet that's running away from the giant Death Star. And, you know, a clearly female empowerment is a theme in these new Star Wars films with Leia now being the only remaining leader and uh, Admiral Akbar dies off fucking screen. You can't have Adrakar die and be the one that tri- that blows himself up in the freighter. You got to have this woman do it, this purplehead woman that no one's ever heard of before. Yeah, Unless I thought that was racist the that they got rid of Akbar. It's just, well, just, you know, I couldn't help thinking. Kind of like, racist. I, well, he's, everybody loves him. Everybody <laughs> knows him. It is racist, clearly, to these fish people. And it's like, instead, we're going to have this random chick with purple hair who gives a fuck about her. No, she's got to be the hero, even though we've got Leia already being the hero and the main character is a woman being the hero. Let Akbar have his moment. I don't care that he's a man. Let that well, fish they, man, well, let the fish man yell, it's a trap, and then uh, charge into the Death Star. I mean, the big the big moral of the story is if they just listened to Poe Dameron, who's the rightful leader of the resistance, they wouldn't have had this problem. That's true. I mean, you know, well, they had to, it, prove, it, they had to yeah. prove him wrong, too. You know, they had to have that moment where, look, ah, see, the man's wrong. I don't want to make it, this into a whole women versus men thing, but I am seeing a definitive <laughs> theme. I'm, you know, and again, and I don't care. Like, I like Ren as the as the lead, but it just it, it bugged me. And I was like, I was like, God damn it. These men are becoming cucks to use an alt right phrase. You know, it's well, like, oh, I mean, can't do anything way, right. Akbar's yeah. dead off screen. Uh, Kylo Ren's a total bitch. <laughs> I mean, I, I will say this in terms of the character of Ray, you, you did some you did see some remarkable uh, character development of Ray. I think she's the only character where you actually see some growth. No one else really grew because, I mean, can you remember a single line from Ray in The Force Awakens? I don't ever remember her talking. I just remember her always standing in like, oh, it's like, oh, I can yeah, I'm real. an expert pilot of the Millennium Falcon. Oh, I could shoot a blaster perfectly. It's like, oh, I've never touched a lightsaber, but I'm fighting a Sith Lord. Yeah. It's like she never struggled. And I don't remember her ever saying anything, but you saw some great character development with Rey in this film, especially when you look at the dynamic between her and Kylo and the whole, you know, Kylo be my apprentice type of thing. I mean, yeah, it's definitely a Luke, I am your father type of moment yeah. to an extent. But, you know, at least they gave Ray a chance, um, you know, with Carrie Fisher. Of course, they were going to make sure they kept all her scenes after, you know, what happened. Yeah, which was but, that was weird to me because I thought they would kill her off because she is dead. And also they had a perfect opportunity. And, and another scene. I'm sorry. That really pissed me off being a man of science. She's floating in goddamn zero gravity space. Nothing, nothing between her and the vacuum of space opens her eyes, which would have exploded out of her head. And then forces, you know, uses the force to pull herself back to the ship. That was retarded. You, you know, it's like that little, you know, piece of poop that kind of just comes up from the toilet after you flushed. And you're like, how the hell did you come back? And then yeah. you just want to flush it again and ignore it. That's one of that, those scenes, like, as I was watching it and she's using the force to come back. It's like, you know, assuming I've only ever seen the films and I knew nothing about the previous expanded universe that was completely destroyed when they rebooted the whole Star Wars canon. Mm. If you're just an average moviegoer and you only like Star Wars, the films, and it's just that, you're going to watch that scene and you're just going to be like, what the hell just happened? And right. then they're never going to talk about it. No, there's no and, explanation. They're not going to be like, oh, she ha- she was using the force unconsciously, which is also bullshit. But well, yeah, I mean, the whole force, like the force itself, you don't even know what the force is anymore because people were arguing about, you know, the one of the final scenes between uh, Luke and Kylo Ren when Luke is still on that one planet. But he's projecting his being in a sense like an astral being over to go right. fight Kylo Ren. And, you know, you're talking about the old Jedi books. I mean, the whole purpose of the new way that, you know, the Ray has been able to use the force and everything. It was all done to destroy the whole Midichlorian thing mm. from the Phantom Menace. And <laughs> I don't even want to talk about that, but like it was just, that all. Yeah. I, I, everybody hated that. It, it was an abomination. Yeah. It's like, you know what? It's like, why did they, uh, you know, completely destroy the extended star Wars universe? It's yeah. because in the, in the books, um, Chewbacca gets killed and they're like, well, we don't want to kill Chewbacca because uh, he's our own. Point. No, not if we're going to so, kill Han Solo off. We can't kill Chewbacca and Luke. We can't kill everybody. There'll be there'll be riots. 
Yeah, so, I mean, what you're basically told of The Last Jedi is everything you wanted answered doesn't matter, and now you're going to walk out with more questions that hopefully the next director will respect. And I think, I, I honestly don't think that um, the director of The Last Jedi, I don't actually think that he respected the Star Wars franchise or story or anything about it at all, because what he did was he turned Luke into somebody unlikable. He yeah. tried to put in the feminist agenda with all the male female leads. Oh, and also yeah. don't, don't forget the yeah. the very preachy uh, anti capitalist moment with. Although there's there, there is one like I said, there's one libertarian line I'm gonna I'm gonna get to which redeems the movie for me. But I, I, also I the whole scene where they're at the gambling, you know, they're a gambling planet and everybody's a scumbag because they made money off weapon sales and there of course there's a whole thing about treating animals and how it's cruel with these these uh horse lizard monster things they're racing so it was all just, you know, like preachy like slap you in the face with it over and over and over again oh and like and poor downtrodden children's slave children it was just like it was out of a it was like out of a a pita commercial mixed with a sarah mclaughlin commercial mixed with a uh, a foster children's commercial I was pissed watching that because as I'm like in the theater and I'm watching that moment where it's like they're they're showing the kids and it's like, I'm sorry. In the Star Wars universe, I'd love to be a kid like working for that casino or else I have been kidnapped by freaking Tuscan Raiders or something. True. Or God knows what else. Being off having sex with a eight tentacled monster in a dungeon somewhere. Any number I mean, of horrible things could happen to you. I mean, the Star Wars universe, if you if you watch like the scenery and you watch the characters, like it's a really shitty place to live. It is. I agree. Overall, they, they portray it as it's still got a little bit of the um, the dystopian future to it. It's it's they're very much the elites and the uh, the everyday commoners are very separated in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, I mean, even even the rebels, and I promise this is not going to spoil what you're going to mention because what you're going to mention is incredibly important. But you know, it's like Rogue One, for example. The reason why they, um, you know, they forgot, you know, like the, the the reason why the Rebel Alliance didn't like Force Whitaker's character was because he was far too extreme and he was freaking people out. And they're yeah. like, dude, this is freaking like this is too much for us. It's like you're dealing with like Al Qaeda in Iraq and ISIS. It's like Al Qaeda's like, oh, you ISIS scares the living shit out of us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's an interesting point, man. But all right, so should I get to my my, my yes, please? Point? Okay, so there's a character Benicio del Toro's character in this film. He's like this coder guy that they have to uh, that they have to find and. I'm, I'm resisting the urge to go to a tangent about how stupid the scene was where they're talking to the little turtle woman and she's in a blazer battle for no goddamn reason while they're talking to her. She's going to tell them another useless female character. Just, yeah, it's true. <laughs> I, I hate to say it. Yeah, I just was, for no point for no part, no purpose. And uh, just stupid. So anyway, they have Benicio del Toro's character. He's this coder. They find they they break him out of a prison and. He helps them gain entrance to the uh, the coding and, and get into this giant uh, cruiser. What do they call them? Uh, Star Destroyer? Yeah. But they come in, they get caught, and, they, and he betrays them. He goes, you know, they ask, how could you do this to us? And he goes, well, you know, we were getting caught, so <laughs> I made a deal. And uh, then he gives them the most libertarian thing in all, any Star Wars franchise. He tells them, he goes, hey, you know what? Live free. Don't pick a side. That's his advice to them because they're saying, how can he sell weapons to the empire? Meanwhile, Benicio del Toro tells them, you know, these people, these, uh, these people in this, this rich planet, they're selling to, to you guys and they're selling to the empire. Basically, you're all the same. You're all killing innocents. You're all warring. So be free. Don't pick a side. And I'm, you know, those aren't his exact words, but those are the message. Uh, speaking of useless characters, I mean, if that was his only purpose, then yeah. he was completely worthless. But I mean, it is. I thought he was going to come does, back later somehow, and like like a Han Solo moment of redemption, but he never did. <laughs> yeah, he he just shows to be a piece of crap, and like that whole scene, like I totally get it, but it also like the the film tries to draw parallels of reality that just are not there. Like you know, we talked about the whole um, the whole casino mm -hmm. thing. Like this is another thing. It's like. You're, you're trying to somehow equate it and let's, you know, let's be honest. Let's go ahead and just call it out for what it is. They're trying to call out the military industrial complex right, exactly. here in the United States and abroad of, you know, NATO and everything else. But it, it just comes at the point where it's like, okay, you know, context matters. And the films, the Star Wars films, you can't ever say that's, you know, 
crafting the context was ever their strong suits. It's just it, it just never was a strong suit of the film. Mm-hmm. So what he's trying to do is he's trying to use the the fleeting moments he has throughout the Last Jedi to try and fill in some context. Yeah. But you know, it's why I say he does he didn't respect the film because he didn't respect what had come before with The Force Awakens. He even ba- basically said, you know, whereas Marvel has like twenty years planned out, they're we're just making these films moment by moment. Right. He didn't respect anything that had been set forth by the characters. You know, let's be honest, more people like Poe Dameron than they like Ray. Oh yeah, for sure. I, I mean, Poe has way more action figures. Poe has comic books. People like Poe. Well, I've just seen a stronger character, the way he's written and the, the, the way he's acted. He's just, in, he's incredibly likable. He is the new Han Solo. That's and I, I've never like, I, I get it sometimes when the story's done well for the character, but I, I've never agreed with the fact of, oh, every movie needs to have characters that people can relate to. People never liked Star Wars because they could relate to them. Yeah, people thought Luke was neat, but no one ever went to the theater saying, oh, I real, I can't wait to see Luke. He's so cool. No, people yeah. liked Han because Han was the badass that people wanted to be. Women liked Leia because Leia was a badass. Mm. People liked Chewbacca because he's fucking Chewbacca. Yep. Like people want to see these films for the same reasons they want to watch entertaining comedy. They want to read good comic books because it's escapism and we don't respect art for art's sake anymore. And, you know, the thing about um, George Lucas, you go look at American Graffiti, which was his first film. And then you look at what he was doing on the set of A New Hope back when it was being crafted. And the man was a hippie artist and he was doing it just because it was his art and we don't respect it anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it goes back to exactly what we were talking about uh, beforehand, too, is this abandoning the actual story, not not focusing so much on like, we're going to tell a good story for the sake of telling a story. Now it's we're going to tell this story, but we're going to punctuate it with these social justice bullshit points or other points about feminism or other points about veganism or other points about animal rights, you know, to have all that shit just punctuated throughout the film not only is it disingenuous to what's happening and because it's so obvious but it pulls you out of the film completely like it jars you to a stop immediately especially i mean the scene with chewbacca not eating the little birds which he's already cooked and he already cooked the goddamn thing now you're just wasting food chewbacca because the little birds looking at him that was bullshit then you have the scene where you know the animal abuse scene later on it's so hacky, it's so cliche, and it's so untrue to the character that it completely destroys the momentum of the movie, and it takes you fully out of what you were paying attention to. And that's disrespecting the fans, that's disrespecting the story, that's disrespecting everything that people go to the movies to see. Yeah, I mean, it makes you think less of the Rebellion, which was always supposed to be the last force of hope. And right. it, it's just to the point, I you know, just from like, because, you know, I've put... You know, I, I've helped with comics and other stuff. I've I've helped people produce other things, but you know, story it has to be fluid. It has to be in constant motion. The Last Jedi was choppy, mm-hmm. and I mean the o- the only memorable scene that I I look back and I'm like, oh, that was that was kind of good. That was kind of funny. It was when Kylo and Ray are having that like you know telepathic moment where they're talking to each other, and he's shirtless, and she's like, can you please put a shirt on? <laughs> like that was the only thing. And by the way, he has an odd body. <laughs> Can I just it's say not it's it's I, I liked it when he was on SNL doing the undercover boss thing. It's like I hear Kylo Ren is ripped. He has an eight pack. No. Kylo, um I mean, just like I, I I'm watching that. I'm like, he's either like, you know, a nineteen twenties bare knuckle boxer. Right. Yeah, he looks like a circus, like he looks like the circus strong man. Like he's so his chest and torso are so massively wide and it just looks bizarre because the rest of it there, is so there's um there there's a joke amongst my Marine Corps friends and uh they're like, Well, you know, the, his whole body was CGI in that scene because, you know, when, when he was a Lance Corporal or whatever, um Adam Driver would have had like twenty different Marine Corps tattoos on. So the joke amongst them is that, you know, that's a CGI body, kinda like Henry Henry Calville's CGI John Justice League. But I'm just watching that, and I'm just like, that is just weird weird like yeah. what, what's the point of this like why uh, it's, uh, why do we need to see him shirtless like cheesecake. what's going on well see there you go they're 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 on one side they're pushing the feminist agenda on the other side they're they're coming down to the base instincts of women you might not like it but kylo ren is the ideal male body <laughs> it's like what is this it's not a dad bot i don't know like uh, is he so in shape is he not 
I he's he at least I think you nailed it on that. He's in shape for a 1920s boxer or a 1920s circus strongman. That's exactly what he looks like. If he wants to shave his head, put a mask on again, and be Bane in the new Justice League universe, I think he's he's on track. Yeah, he's working towards it. Working hard for the money, eating his pancakes, taking his steroids. <laughs> All right, man. Well, let's Enough cap it at that. And uh, always good having you on the show. So, guys, remember you can listen to Remzo's podcast, The Remzo Republic, that airs regularly. You can also check out his documentary, American Statesman, the Nick Freitas story. That's on YouTube. And I also, huh? Oh, you got the name right. <laughs> no, I, well, you know, practice makes perfect, man. <laughs> I can finally make my wife orgasm now, too. It just takes, you know, takes some time. Good job. Yep. Um, so anyway, you can find that on YouTube. And again, I will put all this information and more, including the uh, ridiculous net neutrality Burger King commercial over on the Lions of, well, not lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL57. I'll also link to some of the podcasts that Roger Paxton and Remzo do tar- talking about Star Wars universe specifically. And uh, they go into some depth. These are some super nerds we're dealing with. <laughs> not straight. gonna lie <laughs> every book has been read in the catalog all right so to wrap it up guys remember to listen to mark claire on mondays with his in-depth interviews with leaders in the libertarian movement he just hosted this week a debate between walter block and lou uh i'm sorry and uh, robert wenzel i almost said lou rockwell uh robert robert wenzel and they're arguing basically whether or not trump is good or bad for libertarianism and should we associate the libertarian moniker with anything trump's doing so that is a really interesting conversation i'm of course on wednesdays and john odermatt is on fridays with felony friday which i honestly do believe might be the most important show on our roster guys just unbelievable stories of uh, of heartbreak, of injustice. But a lot of the times, people come out on the other side and they're stronger. They're doing things to help others in that circumstance. So please listen to Felony Friday. Vitally important programming. All right, that's it. Remzo, thank you so much for coming on, my friend. Always a pleasure, Brian. All right, right back at you. So guys, from me, from Renzo, from the Lions of Liberty, and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged in to Liberty.